mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Wow! Hello and welcome to the Born Japan podcast, probably the best way of learning about life in Japan without actually being in Japan. I'm your host, Chris Broad, and we're joined, as always, by England's top Japan enthusiast, Mr. Pete Donaldson. Pete, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm ensconced in the um, Pete Donaldson kitchen, a Born Japan London HQ, um, because I've had to move from the front of the house to the back of the house. Uh, because the builders, um, not builders, I don't really know what they're doing. I think they might be um, water people. They're the water people, water people. Uh, who are servicing the sewers or something. Uh, but they've decided to dig up the entirety of my road. Um, I mean, they could have done this under lockdown when nobody needed to go down the road, but they've decided to take on the work uh, as we head into July. Uh, and Soho's starting to get back to normal. So uh, well done. Westminster Council haunts again. But I am a, a, a broad Japan enthusiast. I am also uh, a Nihonophile. Um, I'm very into your air conditioning right now because it's very hot in London and the British, it's all we can talk about, but it is very, very hot. And uh, why we can't have air conditioning like the Japanese, I do not know. Uh, so I'm having to make do with a fan, which is currently off because I'm recording oh, a podcast. Nice. So watch me melt, people. Watch me melt. I remember I came back to the UK last summer for the first time in eight years. Because like whenever I come back, I come over Christmas or Easter or different yeah. times. But I came back in summer, and I was so hot. But there was no aircon, and I'm used to aircon here, right? I yeah. without it, I'd be dead in a matter of minutes. Um, I have it all night running to keep me cool in the summer months, and it's on right now, keeping me cool at the mm. pleasant temperature of twenty degrees. Whereas outside, it's like thirty, and it's humid, and it's raining, mm. and it's awful. So I don't know what I'd do without it, and I don't know how you are living right now in your noisy kitchen, but at least you've got the gift of water. At least you've got water to look forward to. The gift of water, yes, yes. I mean, they may turn that off at any moment to make their modifications, but who knows? But uh, the, the, the entirety of the um, of the road outside is like kind of coloured in different um, kind of um, colours to let people know where all the broadband lines are. So if I go quiet at any point, it's because someone's drilled through one of the many uh, British telecom uh, <laughs> phone lines that uh, supply me with my underwhelming internet. And I'll be forced to take on both myself and Pete Donaldson. I'll have to switch between voices. Could work. Mm, could work. Could be better. I like it. Could be worse. Nice idea. Probably worse. <laughs> it's funny. I love the way, I love listening to you paint your picture of your bizarre neighbourhood. Like living in the centre of London, there's always something going on. Whereas me, I've got this view out my window right now and I've got the you know beautiful Japanese house with all the old Japanese kind of styled tiles uh, it's raining, so the water's trickling down. It's kind of beautiful. It's like looking at a painting. There's you mm. with your noisy roads, police sirens, people drilling through broadband cables. I feel pretty good about myself now. <laughs> well, you know. Yeah, but the difference is, though, I'm of advancing years and you're a youngster, so you should be in my <laughs> position and I should be in your position. All right, sunshine? <laughs> we should switch. We should switch for a month. 
and I'll I'll become you and you can become me. I've had a good day though, Pete. Okay, right, one. yeah. What have you been up to? I uh, drank no coffee. Go on, guess. You <laughs> drank lots of coffee? <laughs> Better, right? I found some camembert cheese and Ooh. weirdly, I don't know why, I don't know how, but I had the cam I had half of the camembert cheese on some crackers, and it's given me this weird, like, caffeine rush. I feel like I've drunk, like, three coffees. I don't know why. I don't know how this has happened, but cheese <laughs> is my new caffeine. And it's it's Jeremy kind Rennet. of surreal. <laughs> why has this happened? I, I mean, it's got – I guess it's got a lot of sugar in it, I suppose, cheese. I, 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 I guess. It, I mean, it must do. Doesn't everything that tastes nice have more sugar than you expect? <laughs> Usually, yeah. Usually yeah. it does. Oh, well, well if done. you. If you are a, a cheese enthusiast or a cheese expert listening in, guys, please let us know why cheese has had this surreal effect on me. Although, to be fair, I am also drinking a coffee. But I got, I got the caffeine rush before the coffee, so I'm putting it yeah. down to the cheese. Putting it down to the cheese. We had, um, we had an interesting story come through this week um, through the fax machine. We don't often read out story time messages at the start of these uh, podcasts, no. but this one's so interesting and so good. It has to be read out. And it's from Justin from Canada, who's living in Fukushima. And it begins, King Chris and Professor Pete. I don't know why I'm King Chris. I don't know why you're Professor Pete. Why are you well, Professor Well, because you, I earned my position and you're you? little, you're, you're, you're just a part of like a, a leachy family. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. I, the only thing you're Professor of is Gibbons, as we've established several yeah, episodes I'd, ago. I'd you that. love Gibbons. I'd happily have that. Love a Gibbon. Professor Pete. Uh, I'm a Canadian jet living in the super rural area of Fukushima and I'm closing in on my one year anniversary of being a Japan exchange teaching uh, person but I think my best experience happened to me just yesterday I was out going for a jog after work soaking in the fresh air and beautiful mountainous landscape and I was almost back home when a man waved at me from his driveway I did a slight bow as I continued to run and said konnichiwa but he motioned me over to come and talk to him which is always quite a scary part in a story because that's quite rare isn't it um i took out my earbuds and i was still covered in sweat and i started to have a chat with this friendly orji chan this friendly old man we spoke in japanese and english and his english was surprisingly good considering his age in the remote countryside location as we were chatting he asked if i liked karaoke to which i said yes of course Ah, great, great. Please wait a moment, he said. As he popped back into his house, he returned with a key in hand, proceeded to open his garage and said, please, come on in. Oh, God. Uh, (laughs) Terrifying. Naturally, I followed my heart and this kindly old man into his garage. Much to my surprise, his entire garage was a fully decked out karaoke bar. We continued to chat a bit as the sweat continued to drip from my brow. Then he asked, do you like Elvis? I said, yes. And the next thing I know... Can't help falling in love with you comes up on the screen. He handed me a microphone and we both start crooning together. I tried my best not to laugh at the immediate absurdity that my life had just become, but I managed to keep it together and go with the flow. We sang Yesterday by the Beatles, naturally, uh, and finished off with some more Elvis, Love Me Tender. Since I was still drenched in sweat, sticky and stinky and hungry, I told him I had to go for a shower and make dinner. Uh, but I would definitely return sometime to sing with him. And so that is the story of my newfound 71-year-old friend. Keep up the great work, lads. Cheers, Justin from Canada. How awesome is that, Pete? That is amazing. <laughs> like, I mean, we, we get like kind of fax machine uh, messages from a lot of people um, having like weird experiences with, um, you know, certainly all, uh, members of the older generation in Japan. Um, 
And it's always like it's always like a film, isn't it? It's always like a plot of a film. Yeah. It's like, this is unbelievable. Why is this happening? I mean, we, we wouldn't usually, you know, if, a, if an old man approached us in the street in our own countries, we probably wouldn't give them the time of day simply because, you know, we'd be like, what are you, what, what's your, what are you about? Why have you got that van? What's happening? Um, but, but, but when you're in a magical place, you're just like, nothing bad can befall me. Nothing. Um, so that's a beautiful story. I like that a lot. I just, I just, the idea has got this, this swanky karaoke bar in his garage. How awesome is that? Like, it's pretty mm. rare. And what I just love about karaoke is the way it brings people together like that. Like the first time I met Natsuki uh, in Yamagata when I was walking down the street and he struck up a conversation, not too dissimilar uh, from this, although Natsuki's English probably wasn't as good as the nice old man. Uh, Natsuki was like, do you like karaoke? And I was like, yeah, that's all right. And he went, let's karaoke. And he just took me off to a bar. And we did karaoke for two or three hours and became best friends. So karaoke is the key to unlocking friendships <laughs> in Japan. And that's why we need mm, it in the UK. We don't have karaoke, do we? Apart from a few bars in London, right? We do, and they're very expensive, and yeah. and and you have to, and it's all centered. It's more centered around the booze than anything else. I think it, it, it's fun, but but I always find that, and I've said this before on the podcast, the people who um, are really into taking people to karaoke are the people who are, are really good at karaoke. So you're in a situation where, all right, you've basically just taken us to a room to see and show off how good you you are at singing. Fuck off! <laughs> <laughs> it's just a show off. I do find though, like. It's quite rare to um, – obviously, when you go to a snack bar, a hostess bar, everyone sings karaoke and you have to endure the other people that are singing. And right. yet what I've found is most people in Japan can sing rather well. Like I've very rarely yeah. heard someone who's like ripped my ears off. There's like a few drunk, really drunken people who sound like a cat, uh, mm. something terrible happening to a cat. But uh, generally, yeah, people are good here. I don't know why that is. Maybe it's the style of music. Um, or the vocal range, but I guess just people put the effort in from an early age doing karaoke. Whereas in the UK, it'd be horrible, wouldn't it? I remember Imagine having a, a Tuesday, night. <laughs> yeah, exactly, a Tuesday night in uh, Osaka uh, in a bar, and uh, a man appeared from behind the bar um, to put together what can only be described as a one-man rendition of "We Are the World, We Are the Children," um, <laughs> with every single kind of voice contained within that song. Um, he had the oh, deep God. voices for the deep voice performers. He had the high voice for the high voice performers. It was a tour de force. <laughs> it really was. I, I love just hearing, uh, you know, people take on an English song and uh, not do so well. Like that's that is the bit where it goes, it falls down a little bit. Like Japanese people sing Japanese songs, very rare to hear it, someone misstep, but in English, it falls apart quickly. Mm. I remember. I was in a bar with you once and we were singing with Natsuki um, in Yamagata and we listened to a guy sing and he butchered a song. I don't know if it was Wannabe by the Spice Girls or something, but he just, it was just really bad. And yeah, I'm a bit better about, my, about mine and Natsuki's performance. Though I did get a round of applause for a boy cover. So there we go. Good man, <laughs> as you'd expect. But I mean, this situation sounds like a scene from an amazing film. And that got me thinking, we haven't ever talked about uh films japanese films worth watching and you and i both love films but we never discussed it and obviously given people are uh trapped indoors still after these many months and a lot of you guys are just sitting indoors can't go out we thought we'd give you some ideas give you some ideas for films that you can watch while you're indoors to keep you company keep you busy uh, and turn those long lonely nights into something productive which is why i watch films and so we've come up with five films each and to kick it off what have you got mr donaldson 
Um, <clears throat> I think I've said it before. I've got a friend. This isn't like a sell for a friend's um, film company. Definitely but third window films. Do, it's, but it clearly is. But basically, I'm very suggestible. So um, a guy I know uh, sent over some DVDs from his company, Third Window, and they basically specialize in uh, finding, isolating films that wouldn't usually get a UK or European or US release um, or in the West, um, finding these unique films and, and sending mm. them and, and, and bringing them over. And, 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 to a to a to a video to a DVD, um, they've all been bloody excellent. So um, yeah, it's been a, a good a good few days of smash to do there. Uh, my first film I'm going to go for is called uh, Adrift in Tokyo, uh, Satoshi Miki uh, mm. from back in 2007. It's basically uh, a story about two men going for a walk. <laughs> That's all it is. Uh, the, the 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 official kind of. Um, uh, description is that uh, a man called Takemura has no friends and no family. He's a law student, but he doesn't have any particular ambitions. Uh, a thug offers to pay Takemura's considerable gambling de- debt if the student accompanies him on a trip across Tokyo. There's intrigue. Yeah. There's possible dead wives. There's um, <laughs> uh, a, a subplot containing uh, the dead wife's company. And it's really just a wonderful Sunday afternoon Big screen, just drink it in, little kind of, um, you know, it's a film where nothing happens, but it's beautifully shot, uh, and it's just two men strolling through uh, the less busy parts of uh, of Tokyo through 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 the day, and you're, and you're trying to figure out what what's happening. Uh, and, and a lot of, like, the dynamics in kind of Japanese cinema mm. seems to be older generations teaching the younger generations about something that they never thought they would be able That's to. True, yeah. uh, and, and, and I think pretty much every film has, uh, we're going to be talking about today has that in there, uh, but adrift in Tokyo. Yeah. So Toshi Miki from back in 2007. Uh, that's my first choice. Very good. Actually, yeah, that's a good point. Like, a lot of the themes tend to revolve around the family unit. I think because a lot of, Japanese movies or films set in Japan just don't have a big budget. You don't have mm. a lot of action films. It is mainly kind of focusing on drama. Not that that's a bad thing, because I think the stories are very good. I do like the idea, though. Why does the thug want the guy to go with him on the walk? Or does that spoil it by me asking you that? Um, it, I, I can't, I'm not sure I can remember. And also, I think it does spoil it a little bit. Um, but um, it, it's it's just this weird kind of like odd, odd couple. I don't know. You know odd couple, yeah. Why, yeah. why, are, these, why are these people together why they're traveling to, through tokyo and going mm. for a walk um yeah i won't spoil it but uh yeah adrift in tokyo big 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 flavors I've, i haven't seen it but i want to see it from um when i was doing some research for this video it looked pretty good so adrift in yeah, tokyo satoshi mickey 2007 my one my first one on my list is um tokyo sonata um kiyoshi kurosawa directed it in 2008 um and it's about the family unit kind of crumbling around the father figure. The the, the dad, uh, Yuhei Sasaki, um, is keeping a secret from his wife and his two teenage sons. He leaves the house every day to go to work, um, but it's quickly revealed in the film that he doesn't actually have a job. He lost it, and he's, like, trying to find another job. And it's a lot to do about his sense of shame um, in that role, because obviously the father figure, the husband, is the very much the breadwinner in Japanese society, yeah. like... There's a lot of pressure. If you don't get that salary, it's not good. And as well as his own losing his own job, his good friend, his best friend, also hasn't got a job, and he's trying to help him out the whole time. So it's kind of a built around that. Um, and I don't want to spoil too much as a result, but like it's kind of about that that tension. Um, and it is quite funny at times the way he tries to conceal the fact that he doesn't have a job. The way he makes it look like he's still got a job. He'll sort of return home, yeah. be like, "Oh yeah, it's been a long day." 
but actually he's just been like laying on a bench all day in a park asleep. Um, <laughs> so that's kind of cool. And it's kind of about how the son who feels neglected uh, finds some sort of sense of, I don't know, he, he kind of learns how to play the piano and that gives him a sense of purpose in life. But uh, yeah, it's a drama, but there's, it's definitely, there's definitely a comedic aspect to it. But it is about the family unit uh, and it is a lot of fun and quite depressing and sad watching the guy try and conceal that he hasn't got a job from his wife and family. So Tokyo Sonata, Kiyoshi Kurosawa, uh, 2008. Definitely check it out. And I haven't watched it in a few years, but it left a great impression and I need to rewatch it very mm. soon. They, uh, what have you got, Mr. I'm looking, at, I'm, I'm looking at the Wikipedia for that film and it was mm. um, budget, two and a half million, box office, uh, 940,000. So I presume that's domestic box office because it went on to win every single award going in Cannes and, um, you know, all of the yeah, festivals, lot of so I imagine, yeah, so I imagine it uh, probably made its money back a few times Hopefully. over. <laughs> it's but a lot of those kind of independent films don't really, uh, and I suspect a lot of the films on this list might not have made back their money, but we'll get into that. What have you got? I've got, uh, it's another one from Third Window, uh, Love and Other Cults. This one is fun. A.G. Uh, uh, Uchida uh, from uh, a couple of years ago. Um, it's basically about <laughs> a child who gets sent to live with a commune uh, where she lives there lives there for seven years. Um, uh, the, the cult gets broken up by the police. She struggles to fit in with society. It's about identity. It's about delinquency. It's just a right bloody romp. There's always something going on. It's, it's about juveniles just getting into all kinds of trouble uh, and parents. Uh, it, it's the sort of... Um, you see a sort of, a lot of parents being um, you know, like the, the TV show like Shameless, um, yeah. where every kind of authority figure is a bit of a loser, um, and you don't right. see that in Japanese cinema a, a lot. Like you say, it's mm. all about the 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 the, the, the patriarchy, the, or, or the matriarchy. The, the man comes home and brings the um, he's the breadwinner. Blah blah blah. Um, yeah. This just seems to be all about a, a set of kids whose parents have just fucking let them get on with it. <laughs> they're, just, they're just not very good parents. Um, so, yeah, Love and Other Cults um, is really colourful. It's really exciting. It's uh, There's also something going on. And, uh, yeah, if you if you, if you you fancy, like, a, a good Friday night thriller, um, it's it's not particularly violent, but it's just a, it's a bit naughty and fun. So, yeah, get involved with that. Love, love and Other Cults. What is the cult commune? Like, this this cult, what, what do yeah, they believe in? I th- um, I, I again, it, again, I'm not very good with that, with memories, but I, I think it's just one of those kind of like new, new agey kind of uh, cults that, uh, yeah. uh, but that, but that, that is kind of like a, a thread that a lot of films have where, uh, where, um, I think I've, um, read a few books where mum, mums will like single mothers will be, um, will, will be attracted to, uh, kind of, um, new age kind of religions and stuff like that. And a lot of people have grown up through that, um, you know, fathers as well, but, 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 um, but they tend to be more. Um, uh, let's go down to Guyana and uh, and drink the Kool Aid. But, but, but I think. Uh, but I've, I've read like a lot of books where uh, like a lot of people, a lot of people, sort of formative years, were, were grew up in cults because the, everyone's looking for answers, aren't they? And if you're mm. a parent and you, you've just had kids and stuff, you're like, I just, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I need answers uh, and, and cults and, and religious organisations of ill repute can sometimes take advantage of that, I think it's fair to say. So, yeah, it's a really interesting film, really colourful. Um, again, a right bloody romp. A right bloody romp. 
Sounds good. Love another Colts. Yeah. Eiji Uchida, yeah. 2017. My next one is probably one of my favourite Japanese films. I have a soft spot for it. I think I've talked about it before. Uh, and it is Departures in Japanese, Okuribito. And I have a special place in my heart for this one because it's filmed and shot in Yamagata, in the very town where I lived and worked. And I watched this film. Uh, it came out in 2008, and I watched it around 2010. Uh, and then I found out I was being placed in the very town where it was set. And it was really surreal when I arrived in the town all those years later and wandered around it and recognised all these locations. But it is a good film, fundamentally. It won the Best Foreign uh, Picture Award in, I think, the Oscars in 2008 or 2009, which is an incredible achievement. I think it's the first Japanese film to do that. Um, and it's basically about the stigma around working in um, in coffining, working in the kind of sector in coffining. Do you know what in coffining is, Pete? Uh, is it making coffins? <laughs> it is. And it's kind of like oh. carrying out rituals used in preparing the kind of dead for their final rest. Um, basically, the main character, Daigo, uh, he le- he's in an orchestra in Tokyo. The orchestra disbands right near the start of the film, and he decides to move back to his hometown in Yamagata and try and find a new job. And he answers an ad for what he thinks is a travel agency, but in actuality, it's a, a mortuary. Um and he sort right. of he finds he quickly finds he's quite good at this surreal job doing the rituals and preparing people, but it's seen as a really bad thing in Japan to work in that sector. And he's you know the people around him are kind of sickened that he does this. Um, he has this horrible <laughs> decision to make: should he quit this job that he's good at and he loves for people around him, or should he embrace it and uh, you know go ahead with it? And it's about that conflict. Um, but it's one of the few films that's actually made me tear up. I don't cry. The only time I cry is when I go to Family Mart and the Family Mart fried chickens run out. So it's a pretty impressive achievement for a film to uh, to make me feel some emotion. So Departures is an amazing film and I highly recommend it. And uh, yeah, it's a special place in my heart and I really like that. It's just one of my favourite films. So Departures, check it yeah, out. Yeah, beautiful. I I, um, I think the, the film I was talking about earlier on with the, um, the men who go for a walk, is Walk Tanpo? Uh no, Sampo. Sampo, right? Because you because I because I was thinking Sampo. That sounds a little bit like uh Tanpo Tanpopo, uh, which is uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Dandelion or Sunflower, which is another film that you really like. <laughs> That's right. I don't know why. Surprisingly, it's not on the list. I think it's not on the list. About it so much. Not on Shocking. the list. Well, I've I've talked about this film quite a lot. To be fair, Fukuchan uh, Fuku Fuku Flats. Uh, if you've been listening from the start of this, uh, sorry, sorry, escapade. Um, you will know that I really really like this. Probably one of my favourite Japanese film uh, films. It's about um, a big fat mess, uh, bald uh, labourer. Uh, uh, man who um, has to overcome his shyness towards women in order to recover some kind of, you know, meaning for, for, for living. Um, the, the actor itself is a famous um, uh, Japanese actress, uh, Miyuki mm. Oshima, uh, shaved her head. Uh, she, she plays this, uh, this male labourer. Um, uh, really? One day, uh, yeah, yeah it's, 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 she's a famous, uh, she's quite a famous um, comedian, apparently, uh, Miyuki Oshima. Um, uh, and one day, a woman turns up, uh, Fuku Fuku Flats, where where uh, Fuku Chan lives, 
Um, and then he he realizes that it's his first love from his high school days. Not seen this woman for like twenty years, um, and she's come back to apologize for something that's happened in both of their pasts. And she's an aspiring photographer, and um, he begins to fall in love with her all over again. It's 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 really he's scared of women, but this this meeting this woman from his his school days kind of um, reignites something inside him, and, and he becomes a a more full rounder character. But it's a it's a it's a it's a really kind of like um stellar performance from uh from miyuki oshima uh who, who's uh, who's playing a male character and uh yeah well worth a watch 2014 sounds really, sounds re- really surreal, Quite <laughs> it's, surreal it's, it's funny it's just funny and and i think again we, we i've said it before and you've said it like we have a very small we, we have very sort of um stereotypical idea about what uh japanese comedy has for us i think you were sort of mm. talking about it on, on your recent uh, youtube video a lot of japanese television and we think that it's all you know um you know takeshi castle and, and people falling over and slapstick and stuff like that and, and it just isn't but uh very enjoyable very enjoyable one of my faves quite quite the tongue twister fuku chan of fuku fuku flats, flats. <laughs> <laughs> some serious alliteration uh, my one it'll, it'll be a crime to have a list of japanese films without having one from uh Takeshi Kitano, better known as Beat Takeshi, of course. And mm. my favourite of his films, he's done lots of films. Um, he's well known as being in Battle Royale, amongst other things, um, which isn't on our list. But everyone loves Battle Royale. But uh, the film I chose from him is one he directed and starred in, and it's called Hanabi, uh, literally fireworks. And it's about him. He's a Japanese police officer who loses his job. And lots of terrible things happen to him, basically. His wife gets diagnosed with leukemia. He, I think his partner is killed. One of them's paralyzed after they mess up, basically. Uh, they're take, trying to take down some Yakuza, and it goes horribly wrong, and he loses a lot of his friends, and things go downhill. He loses his job. His wife's ill. Couldn't be in a much worse position, really. Uh, and yet, to clear his debt, he has to then borrow money from the Yakuza as well. Um, and then throughout the film they're basically trying to get the money out of him and it's about that situation a guy who was good who's just been pushed down again and again due to bad luck and it's a very interesting film a lot of it there's barely any dialogue from Takeshi Kitano he's kind of very silent the film has a very poetic quality to it um a lot of the performance is very kind of nuanced it's more like there's there's, there's not much dialogue you could probably count the number of lines on two hands and yet it becomes very powerful for it um, because in the film, the character Nishi, played by Beat Takeshi, is incredibly violent. And you have these kind of nice, quiet moments. He's like playing with his wife and then someone will do something, like accidentally do something and he'll lose his fucking shit and he'll rip their face off and be incredibly violent for like uh, 30, 40 seconds. And it's really quite shocking, that kind of sort of slow, calm movie. And then, bang, he'll pull out some chopsticks and stuff them through someone's eyeball. And it's like, <laughs> it's quite surreal as a result. But it is a very beautiful film. The soundtrack's amazing. Um, and just the way it lingers, um, you find with a lot of the best movies, the shots linger on the character, right? There's not It's yeah. not quick and fast pace. It lingers on the character before and after those moments. So you can get really drawn in and you can really empathise with them. And I think 
the film really works for it. You know, having those brutal, horrible moments punctuated by silence and reflection. It really works. Well, you look um, at well, you look at like um, films like um, Drive, and, and and there are very few yeah, yeah. film film actors that have that command people's attentions. You'd sort of look at people like I'm trying to think of um, the more modern ones, but I mean, I guess. Um, who is the well, guy? Ryan Drive, Reynolds and Drive. Yeah, he's pretty is good. that Ryan Reynolds? That's not Ryan Reynolds, is it? Um, Sorry, um, it Ryan, Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling. <laughs> Ryan. Ryan Reynolds. Uh, Ryan Gosling. Um, I think he is one of the few film actors in in it working in Hollywood today who, who just has presence, and that mm. you cannot buy. He doesn't say anything. He's like Steve McQueen. He doesn't say anything in any of his films, uh, and people just look at him and he's just got mm. it. Um, I think, you know, I think other actors have to work a bit harder. You know, your Tom Hardy's and stuff, people who are, re- who are regarded as being um, uh, the, the, this new sort of breed of, of excellent uh, actors. Um, I, I think there are very few um, people who have that kind of presence. And obviously, uh, Beat Takeshi, He's he's been at the top of his game for for such a long time for for that very reason because he just commands uh, commands the screen and commands the scene. Absolutely, I don't know what it is about Ryan Gosling. Um, I mean, he's great in Blade Runner twenty forty nine. He's also quite good in the Nice Guys, a comedy with himself and yeah, Russell Crowe. Fantastic, a really fantastic. good film. Um, he's, I, 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 like um, was that one where he's a, he's a heroin addicted teacher? Um, Lars and the Real Girl. Like he, he I'll watch anything with him, even uh, Beyond the Pines, which was fucking a little bit boring. Um, we have discovered but, but, your Ryan Gosling obsession, Pete's weird yeah, obsession, ladies and gentlemen. He loves Ryan Gosling. I, I do. You, I think he's brilliant. He's just did very, you ever meet very him watchable. when you would. When you were doing your job, never met him. No, never, no, never met oh. him. Never did, never did, never did, a, never did anything with him. Did I do any Blade Runner stuff? No, no, I just did. Um, no, I did the the wrestler out of out of that. Poor old uh, Pete. All he wanted was Brian Gosling, and he got Brian Cranston. Brian Gosling. <laughs> never mind. Brilliant. Um, All right, what you got next? Uh, next, uh, we've got um, Akira. Ah, oh, classic! Uh, I think I think everyone in Tetsuo. the world knows what Akira is. <laughs> That's uh, Katsuhiro Otomo. Uh, it was back in 1988. I thought it was a little bit older than that, but um, that was certainly something that I watched. Um, Channel Four used to do a lot of uh, like seasons where they would have like quite violent and strange, sometimes sexual uh, kind of banned films mm. uh, back in the day. And like Channel 4 used to be very, very subversive um, in, in, in here in here in England. They've become less so and they've become, you know, homogenized and kind of gone with the money. But they used to be quite interesting in, in the stuff that they do. Um, but Akira is a um, uh, an animation based on a, a manga. Uh, um, I think, I think... I think the bloke, Omoto, is it Omoto or Tomo? Either way, I think the manga artist writer, it was a serial from like 90, I think 82 up to mm, mm. when it came out as a film. Um, and and basically he wrote uh, the series, paused the series as, as a manga, um, and then did the film effectively. Uh, yeah. Certainly, you know, wrote, directed and supervised the, the film version. And so it was finished before the actual story in the magazine in, in the manga um actually finished it's a little bit, a little bit like uh, game of thrones, game of thrones I think, in yeah. yeah but it's basically about a um uh world war three takes place there's an explosion uh you know like Na- Na- nagasaki or um 
or Hiroshima. Um, Tokyo's rebuilt as Neo Tokyo, uh, and in 2019, last year, to uh, to casual observers, um, a motorcycle gang basically just gets into a bit of a bit of a battle, and um, and, and 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 Tetsuo is, is 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 desperate to kind of get out of this kind of like group of hoodlums, and um, and and then uh, Tetsuo, I think he, he gets injured in a, in, a, in a motorcycle accident. This is all about motorbikes and stuff. Mm. Yeah, these incredible red machines. Um, Tetsuo is taken by the government, and 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 they decide to do tests on him. And 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 there's a terrorist group, and they want to find the one that's called Akira. And uh, it's the it's the, the the reason why the weirdest manga and anime exists in the West can only be down to the popularity of Akira in the late 80s and the 90s. It was an era-defining moment for it was. The, 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 the discipline. They've tried so many times to do live-action versions. I think Jordan Peele is the latest person who's, uh, who's really? attached to, uh, to it. Um, might happen, well. might not, but if I, was good, if I was a betting man, I'd say it's not going to happen, and if it does, it'll be fucking awful. So uh, Akira, well, it can't be any worse than Ghost in the Shell, but which I quite yeah. enjoyed it in a weird kind of way. Um, no. But, uh, yeah, no. it's a, a, stun, a stunning watch, even in uh, 2020. Get a nice big print of it, uh, get it on your big telly, uh, and get, you know, maybe smoke some weed or something, I don't know, because it's <laughs> fucking weird. It is pretty trippy. I've only actually watched yeah. it once, and I did really enjoy it. Um, there's some great cyberpunk um, visuals, and I mean, helped define the genre. And it is an incredible film. But I remember thinking, this is mental. Like, especially in the <laughs> the, kind of the last half, the second half, it just gets really out of hand. But there's just so many ideas and themes explored, and it's so beautifully done. Um, it is an incredible film, this and I really is, need to rewatch that actually more than this is getting any out of hand. List. No, but no, I just think it's funny. It's just like this is getting out of like watching Akira, and like you know, you're watching these big pink <laughs> testicles explode everywhere, and teddy bears come bleeding and coming to life, and and you go, this is getting out of hand. This is getting too much. Well, it's also a clever pun if you know what happens in the second half. Spoilers. Anyway, mm, uh, great film. You you have to watch it, regardless of your thoughts on anime. It's just, you know, if you, even if you're not into anime or you've rejected the genre, it's, it's incredible and it needs to be watched. You have to. Um, you have to. You have to. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com The next one on my list is the complete opposite direction to Acura, this large, huge-scale production. It's called Like Someone in Love, and it's directed by Iranian director uh, Abbas Kiarostami. Uh, now, it's about an elderly man who hires an escort girl and how awkward and uncomfortable that situation becomes. Basically, her boyfriend is very paranoid that she's doing something. Like I think she's trying to conceal the fact she's an escort girl doing this sort of job from her boyfriend and right. he discovers what's going on and starts basically coming after her and it gets really uncomfortable but it's a very slow film and the climax almost like it's it's hard to describe it without ruining it but there's a big event that happens but it doesn't happen and that's that's the only way i can describe it um it it's kind of very slow film the, the camera lingers 
very long on moments between this girl and the old man. And that's already a tantalising situation. It's not like this sleazy old man hiring the escort girl. She sort of goes around his house. He's a very nice man who you can tell doesn't quite know why he's hired an escort girl. And he's very confused about the situation. She's like, come on, let's get it over with. And he's just like, let's listen to a record from the 1940s. And she's like, uh, what? And it, it, it it's very slow. It's basically set in his apartment the whole time. But then he has to pretend the old, this, this, um, this boyfriend who's coming after her, the old man has to pretend that she, that he is the girl's father, um, to try and get around it, to hide the fact mm. that she's actually still seeing clients and things. And it's kind of about that situation. Like what, ha- what would happen if that was a situation that happened and how it plays out. Um, but it's, it's a very interesting film. You might find the ending quite unsatisfying, but some really fantastic performances, a really surreal situation and just very beautifully uh, filmed. Uh, the cinematography is outstanding. And the director is one of the most famous uh, Iranian filmmakers, uh, unfortunately passed away a couple of years ago. But like Someone in Love, check it out. It's a surreal film, but it's quite a rewarding experience. Yeah, Watch it, and if you don't trust us, um, Mark Kermode gives it gives it five stars. He loves it. There you go, five stars for Mark Kermode. British director, British reviewer, right? Never really yeah, yeah, many yeah, of his yeah. reviews. I know he's good. There. Yeah, I, I I I trust him on everything apart from comedy. So there you go. <laughs> Very good. Well, the next uh, speaking one speaking of comedy, it's a special one, isn't it? It's a special yeah. one. It's a special one, is it? Is it a special one? I don't know. Well, it is because we built the podcast off of me being angry that I couldn't see this oh, film, that's and right. then yes, you yes. were able to get Brian Cranston because of it as well mm, to shout out the, the voice of the voice of the main uh, the, the main character, I believe. Yeah, um, what we it's got? a film called. It's a film called I Love Dogs. Uh, you love dogs. Team, you exactly. Let's see what they've done there. The Isle of Dogs. Isle of Dogs. I love dogs. Wes Anderson, uh, twenty eighteen, completely animated, uh, beautifully uh, animated, uh, using mm. um, almost completely um, a plastic stop motion uh, plastic animation. Um, when by executive decree, all the canine pets of Megasaki City are exiled to a vast garbage dump called Trash Island. Twelve-year-old boy Atari sets off in a little plane and flies across the river in search of his bodyguard dog, Spots. Uh, he's, a, he's the son of a, a rich person. He's a very important uh, character, uh, and he must be found. Um, and then, basically, a pack of um, dog uh, d- dogs who live on this island where they've all been banished. Um, Atari sets off on a, a big journey that will decide the fate and future of the entire prefecture. And we're, I'm obviously reading a lot of that, but uh, it is a stunning beautiful film uh wes anderson um i think at the time slightly criticized for the use of um uh, the the, the, what would you call it japanese culture yeah exactly but but most japanese critics would argue that he showed a massive amount of respect for it uh, and did it in the right way so and, and i would probably agree with that one to be quite frank um so yeah fantastic film um Kickstarted this podcast into gear, I'd say, due to Chris's constant belly aching that he couldn't go and see this film because it was out well, in Britain before it was out in Japan. It came out. It, it, you make it sound like it was a week apart. It came out in like yeah. February in like the UK and came out in late yeah. May in Japan, which I found ridiculous given it was set here. Yeah. Um, but no, it's a great film. I find the plot is is kind of average. Um, it's not like as memorable as a lot of Wes Anderson's other films like Moonrise Kingdom or Grand Budapest Hotel, which is one of my favourite mm. films. 
but it's it's good enough and the artistic direction more than makes up for that and the, the artistic direction it's like someone gave it's like wallace and gromit had a hundred million dollar budget uh what would they do with it like the visuals are absurdly good and oh it's there's just some if you you know if you know your japanese culture there's just so many funny nuances i just love the name megasaki city as well megasaki <laughs> why isn't that a name of a city definitely should be enjoyable um it's a good film, really good film, and it's got a great cast as well, uh, including two members of the cast who are in the next and final film on our list. Uh, it features Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson, so you probably know what's coming up on the end of our list, and it is, of course, 2003 classic, Sofia Coppola's Lost in Translation. I was reluctant to put it on the list to some extent. However, to my surprise, there's still a lot of people who haven't seen it. I Regularly, oh, really? I'm like, oh, what's your favourite thing in Lost in Translation? Oh, I haven't seen it. What? Has to be seen. Uh, I remember back in 2003 or four, we had some sort of DVD rental service in the UK. And I think my mum rented it. I just didn't watch it. And we just had it in our dining room for like three or four months. Didn't have to return it. And I thought, this looks weird. I was only 13 at the time. And I, I don't think I knew who Bill Murray was. Or I just thought he was right. just this elderly man who's been go- man, Ghostbusters. Yeah. Now I know him different. Now I know he's like the greatest one of my favourite actors, so bloody funny. But uh, I remember watching it and thinking, this is amazing. And just it's just so funny, the plot, the story, the characters, the portrayal of Tokyo. Tokyo itself is uh, beautifully portrayed in the film. Um, but for anyone who's ever been in Tokyo and been jet-lagged, you'll be able to relate to some extent to the characters in the film. Have you ever had uh, a lost-in-translation moment, Pete? Have you ever felt that way? I think sort of waking up at four o'clock in the morning and, you know, I, I, I can't do what Bill Murray does, goes down to his ridiculously expensive um, uh, swimming pool to go and have a swim. Uh, but, yeah, I think that kind of like that's almost sort of druggy kind of waking, sleeping kind of, you know, time in, in a sprawling mm. metropolis where you don't understand the language or what the fuck is going on. Um, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's really interesting. It, I, I think... Um, Again, it, it kind of ties together some of the uh, themes that in the other films that we've um, that, that, that we've talked mm. about. It's a slightly uncomfortable relationship at times. It's a bit weird. I don't think, and and, and I don't think Scarlett Johansson had the best time uh, filming it. Um, I think Bill Murray is uh, frequently quite hard to deal with, um, and I think sometimes we, I don't know. I'm kind of coming around to the opinion of of of. of um, uh, there's, there's certain men in Hollywood. I'm not saying Billy Moore, Bill Murray is necessarily uh, one of them or even the worst of them, um, but they get respect for being difficult to work with when they could just not be difficult to work with. Uh, and I think from what I heard from from, from that particular filming, it was a, a pretty difficult really? one. Bill Murray, Bill Murray just felt like Bill Murray will just walk onto a scene and just do whatever the fuck he wants. Um, and, you know, <laughs> it seemed to work. Just right? take, well, it did work. It's a beautiful film. Sofia Coppola, uh, one of my favourite films, is the one she did before, Virgin Suicides, uh, which I highly recommend oh, as well. Yeah. Again, that kind of dreamy, um, mm. beautifully soundtracked. I mean, this film in itself, is, it's got a hell of a soundtrack. There's that... Um, What's that bloody French band? Jesus Christ! There's Death in Vegas. There's the, the, the there's uh there's all kind. Of, uh, the soundtrack of this film is really really good. Um, right. Sweet like honey. Who did that song? Just just a great soundtrack. Beautiful mm. film. Uh, one of the reasons you know I, I'll happily admit it's one it was one of the reasons why that, that made me want to go to Japan um, because it just made it look fucking mental. So yeah, it's 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 it. I think it uh, I think it t- ties together a lot of um, 
a lot of subjects that I think a lot of people who've been listening to this podcast and um, why they love Japan and uh, it's, it's just it's so alien. Certainly been the ultimate marketing for the um, Park Hyatt Hotel where it was set because the hotel is the third character in the film, like the constant shots of the bars and the swimming pools and yeah. the views. And I've been up there. I've stayed there once because I always wanted to do it because of this film. I wanted to see what it was actually like. And mm. I've swum in the pool. I've sat at the bar. It's very oh. expensive. I did it while I was on a teacher's salary, and it was like half a month's salary gone up in smoke over a two-day period. <laughs> but it was fun. And I got to sit in the uh, spa room that Pete, uh, that Pete Murray, but Bill Murray uh, sits in. And I was like sitting there alone thinking, this is cool. Bill Murray sat yeah. here 10 years ago. I felt pretty good about myself. But <laughs> yeah, you've got to go up there. There's a great bar. I'll take you if you haven't been, Pete. The uh, New York Lovely. Grill Bar. Lovely place. Great view. And that concludes our list of 10 films, ladies and gentlemen. We've got so many on there. Yeah. I hope there's at least one film that you found tantalising or intriguing. Uh, for me, the best film on, my, on the list would have to be, uh, I'd say Departures, just probably Departures, closely followed by Lost in Translation. What about you, Pete? One film. Um, oh, that's really difficult, isn't it? Uh, love and other cultures, a lot of fun. Um, nom, 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 nom. But if you've not seen Akira, what's wrong with you? Watch Akira. Yeah. You have to watch that. That's a rule for anything. Yeah. Right. Fantastic. Now then, let us dive in to the fax machine. What have we got this week in the fax machine, Mr. Donaldson? Oh, we got an email from Anna in Tokyo. Hello, Anna in Tokyo. I have a story for you that I think your listeners will find amusing and educational. Tuesday night, I was transferring lines uh, at Shibuya Station on my way home. It was around about half past nine at night. Uh, I hurried down the steps to catch the express uh, train home because otherwise uh, I would have had to have waited for the next one in 10 minutes. Oh, no. <laughs> Imagine oh, no. that. <laughs> I'm swinging my arms for the extra momentum and whoops, there goes my phone out of my grasps. grasp. Um, it disconnects from my headphones and slides right over the platform, but not onto the train. I've dropped my oh. phone into the gap. As the other Japanese oh. passengers hear a few choice curse words from my mouth, I look around for platform staff. I go up to tell him, tell him that I've dropped my phone off the platform and I need someone to get it. He asks where, and I show him the gate to car five, door three. He tells them it's going to take a while because there are trains coming and going every minute. I wait around past another express train awkwardly because I don't have a phone to play with. Uh, to play with. Uh, eventually, more train staff appear uh, with a Swiffer uh, covered in tape. Um, they op- a Swiffer uh, they open the safety gate and use the mighty sticky Swiffer and have my phone back in my hands in under 8 minutes no damage at all so what should your listeners do if they drop something in the gap at the station 1. Don't panic 2. Don't press the emergency button <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't do that anyway, Anna, but uh, locate the train staff, uh, te- let them know. Most of the train staff in Tokyo do speak English now. Uh, number four, wait and be patient. You'll get your thing soon. I'm now being told by friends to buy a lottery ticket because it was lucky it wasn't broken, but that might be a Japanese lottery marketing strategy. If something lucky happens to you, continue to look and buy a lotto ticket. The end. Anna in Tokyo, a beautifully <laughs> told story, terribly uh, read out by me. Uh, but yeah, don't, don't press the emergency button if you drop your phone. <laughs> They, they 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 do have processes for these things. Mm. I mean, it, that's quite reassuring because I've always wondered what would happen if I dropped my phone on a platform. It seems they got it back pretty effortlessly. And I particularly love your pronunciation of the Swiffer. A Swiffer. What's it? What, is, is Swiffer? Is it like a like a, Swiffer. a? It just sounds like. I mean, I presume it's just a stick. What's a Swiffer? It's a stick. It's a Swiffer. It's a, <laughs> a Swiffer. You use a Swiffer. 
to clean the floor, isn't it? It's one of those things you swift. Oh, I, I just created yes. a, a verb. You swift it along the floor. Swift. I swift have used swift. The um, I'm obsessed with the idea of you know like those um, you know in shops um, when you've got short staff who work in the shops they uh, use those little grabber things to grab things yeah, off yeah, high yeah. off high things. Just a grabber. Just got a grabber. A grabber. Um, what would you do if you had <laughs> more than one grabber? Like, could you grab another grabber and use that grabber as a hand? So if the first grabber effectively becomes an extension of your hand. Right. Which is great how it's designed. Grab another grabber that will operate the lever on the second grabber that <laughs> then you can pick up the third grabber and you could have infinite grabbers grabbing all the time and you could have the ultimate <laughs> grabber length because you grab, grab, grabbing. What would you do with this newfound power? I just don't grabbers? know. I'd be, um, you probably don't remember the Mr. Men, but I'd probably be like, the I Mr. remember Tickle. the Mr. Men. Mr. Right, Grabber. Well, Mr. Mr. Tickle is, uh, was a, I mean, to be honest, in 2020, a problematic individual who's a man who went around tickling people who didn't want to be tickled. Um, so yeah, I'd be the Mr. Tickle of the digital age. I love, <laughs> I love the way we've gone from dropping a phone on a platform at Shibuya Station to you declaring yeah. you want to be Mr. Tickle. Well, I've never, <laughs> I've grabbers. never had a bloody whiffer before. It's not my fault. Swiffer, Swiffer, Swiffer. Sort it out. Oh, yeah, sort yeah, it yeah. out. I have a Get battle, involved, Chris. You can have a gra- you can have a grabber. I'll have a Swiffer. Swiffer to the off. death. All right. Swiffers aside, we got one from uh, Lauren from Texas. He says, "Hi, Chris and Pete. I started watching abroad in Japan last year to prepare for my vacation with my roommate and her family to Japan. I've started listening to the podcast, and it's keeping me entertained during my car rides and summer classes. I fell in love with Japan when I visited, and I got in touch with my university's study abroad office so I could go back. I'm supposed to be doing an exchange program with Osaka University next spring and summer to do research in their labs. Crossing my fingers, this will still still happen." Um, my questions are, what is the most financially feasible option to use my phone over there? I used Pocket Wi-Fi last time and liked it, but that would be expensive for five months, I feel. And number two, should I go by a nickname while I'm over there? My name starts with L, and I know most Japanese people have a hard time pronouncing that letter since the sound doesn't appear in the language. I'd hate to make anyone struggle, but I'm not exactly partial to the Japanese version of my name either. Thanks so much. Hope you're staying safe and well. Lauren from Flower Mound, Texas. Flower Mound? It's an interesting name for a town. Beautiful isn't it? part, yeah. Beautiful. I don't Flower love Texas, and I, I, I've never been to Flower Mound though. Flower Mound. You haven't lived. <laughs> um, I will. I mean, first of all, I think Lauren isn't that difficult to say for a Japanese person. They just say Lauren, Lauren, like that. Lauren. It's more like two R's, right? Lauren, Lauren. Mm. So I don't think it's hard. Just stick with your name, Lauren, or just yeah. choose another name. What can we call Lauren? What would you call her? Um, uh, Sophie. I don't know. Sophie. <laughs> Sophie. Yeah. That works. Or, yeah, go with that. What about your? I mean, you're the man who loves pocket Wi-Fi and all things Wi-Fi and phone. What have you done, Pete? What would you do? I loves that. I loves that uh, pocket war. Uh, I, I, I loves that uh, pocket <laughs> pocket Wi-Fi. I do. I loves that pocket um, Wi-Fi. I I loves that pocket Wi-Fi. I do. Um, I uh, um, uh, we've been sponsored by them before, um, and they're not giving us any money at the moment. So I shouldn't really be advertising them, but uh, mobile.com are very good. M-O-B-A-L.com. Um, they do um, pocket Wi-Fi. They do SIM cards for unlocked phones. And they also do, um, I think their main business is um, people who like are on the JET program, who are living over there. Um, you know, they can do kind of like six month, 12 month contracts on, on the old mobile phone on, on, on I think mm. SoftBank, uh, which is obviously, uh, 
a really really good network to be on over there things like 99 percent coverage so yeah it's uh, uh i definitely i i have to recommend mobile.com i just have to guys tell them abroad japan sent you <laughs> how's that spell mobile mobile m m o b a l dot com dot com oh, okay yeah cool yeah. Let's get them Good. sponsoring us again. Please come get back. Again. <laughs> come back again. Uh, we got Let's one from Andrew. Mobile. Andrew from Massachusetts. I'll let you read that as I take a final right, swig of my coffee. All right, then. Coffee. Coffee. You drink coffee. It's it's Cold 7 p.m. Hey, Chris and Pete. I was supposed to visit Tokyo for the first time in April with my wife, uh, my wife, uh, but we all know why that didn't happen, because I killed her. Uh, Andrew did not kill his wife. <laughs> I did not kill his wife. It was because of a worldwide pandemic. Uh, the closest I've been was Narita Airport on my way to Seoul two years ago to experience the Winter Olympics. We had a couple of hours between flights and I knew I had to come back. I've been a fan of the country and culture for over 15 years now. Over the past few months, I've uh, greatly enjoyed your videos whilst killing my wife. Uh, they are really great. I'm joking. She didn't, kill his, she didn't kill his wife. They really are great. And I walk my dog, uh, Ramona, uh, while listening to podcast episodes and looking for a burial spot for my wife. I'm joking. Didn't kill his wife. Lucky dog gets a lot every time I've stopped now. Uh, my question for you guys is sort of hard to put to words. Basically, is there anything you can do uh, to make yourself seem more approachable to Japanese locals? You mentioned the Japanese tendencies to be shy and steer clear of direct interaction, uh, but I would enjoy having a chance to interact a bit with someone there uh, when I do actually eventually get there beyond just a cashier. Anything I could do to make myself present better in this scenario would be great. Thanks again, and keep up the great work. Andrew, not murderer, from Massachusetts, definitely, definitely not murderer. Definitely not murderer. Um, I, I don't know <laughs> Poor why old I Andrew. Reading, poor old Andrew. I don't know why I enjoyed it, reading that email out in that fashion so much. I think I'm, I think I've had two coffees and I'm excitable. Um, I would say off the bat, um, wear a, a t-shirt with like something that people understand over there. My mate would wear like the shittest fucking pikachu pokemon t-shirt oh god um and he would always get talked to by people like people would be oh pikachu like talk to him and i'm like (laughs) you are wearing the most basic stupid t-shirt and yet everyone would just be coming over and go whoa that's fucking pikachu it's it's like it would be like wearing a picture of the queen over here or something wouldn't it or probably go down or freddie mercury even that would go down with some interesting results. Wearing the Queen in Japan. Um, they, have an inter- they have a bit of a fascination with the royal family here. I would say, right. yeah, I mean, following on that, I have the um, the For Fuck Sake t-shirt, right? I brought in Japan merchandise, yeah. which I don't sell at the moment. So stop asking, oh. ladies and gentlemen. I'm, just, I'm working on it. There's a new store coming. Working don't worry. On it. It's coming. Working on it. But like, whenever I go in a bar wearing that, people are like, oh, you like uh, Japanese sake. I'm like, yeah, it's all right, isn't it? They just don't, they don't get that it's a pun or anything. <laughs> yeah, right. They just yeah, think yeah, I have yeah, yeah, yeah. some sort of... Deep appreciation drink, for Japanese sake, drunkard, rather than a pun. Um, you're, just a, you're just a craft sake drunkard. <laughs> absolutely, I like that. That's a great description. I would say you've got to often make the first move. From my experience, like people are shy, but once you start talking to them in any capacity, you've you've got like a eighty percent chance of having a conversation. Like it really works just actually try and make the first move maybe he's a little bit of japanese even if it's basic even if it's just konnichiwa or arigato or dordeska anything very simple uh it will unlock the pandora's box of excitement and conversation in japan uh, i mean what you've you've what have you done pete you've, you've come to japan you seem to do very well at mingling with the locals how do you do it what's um, the secret um 
Oh, I don't know. Um, have a receding hairline so people think that you um, look like um, uh, Malfoy out of um, Harry, Harry Potter. Um, yeah, they love Malfoy. That, really. Malfoy is really popular. Malfoy. I yeah. don't. I remember like one of the first conversations I had with Natsuki. He was like, "I love Malfoy," and I was like, "What? Where's that coming from?" <laughs> and apparently, Malfoy is really popular in Japan because of his hair. He's got nice blonde. Well, I flowing well hair. I've got well the thing. I've got. Um, well, I bleached my hair, so I could not look Malfoy. more like Malfoy at the moment. Moment, I've got like a, I've got like bleach blonde <laughs> hair. I look like I'm having a breakdown. I'm having a breakdown. <laughs> you sound like having a breakdown. Brilliant. <laughs> you are the Malfoy. Yeah. You are the Malfoy we deserve. Um, but yeah, yeah no, just start no. a conversation. Wear a funny t-shirt. Have a drink. Shout something bar, offensive. And <laughs> just wait for a nice, kind, elderly man to offer you karaoke in his garage. <laughs> wet yourself wet yourself in the bar sit at the bar Brilliant. wet yourself <laughs> what a nice end a nice end to the podcast and I'm sorry to Andrew for Pete's traumatic interpretation of your email it's not every day you Where's get to send a wife, question Andrew? <laughs> oh, God. poor old Andrew wife? he's come to listen to a podcast and he ends up with a traumatising narrative developed by Pete <laughs> keep the stories questions comments coming into a broad Japan podcast at gmail.com We'll be back same time next week to do it all over again, guys. But for now, no matter where you might be, out there in the big wide world, have yourself a great week, and we'll be back next Wednesday to do it all over again. Bye for now. What? Watch Akira. Do it. production. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at moonpig.com. Moonpig.com.